Beathard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for Smith. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports. Welcome to another edition of College Gridiron, a podcast from WFUV Sports. Big first week in college football, lots of big scores, big games. First one starting with Colorado TCU. What a game that was. Deion Sanders' prime time debut in the Power Five. Uh, Big time game there, guys. 45-42 win for Colorado. A lot of great football. Duke. They upset big time number nine Clemson. That was an unreal matchup. I cannot believe that. First time Duke has beat Clemson since 2004. Caleb Williams, undecided on the NFL draft coming up for next season. Obviously, the consensus number one overall pick, the reigning Heisman Award winner. He may not go to the NFL if he doesn't really want to. We'll get into that in a little bit. Alabama-Texas, the big game of the week, and then we will have our picks for the most intriguing games of the week. But I'm Will Talent, and I'm joined by Evan Harkin and Merrick Rhodes. Guys, how are you guys doing today? Man, no better time than right now. We got some We got some college football under, under the belt, an official first week, not really dealing with just the Navy-Notre Dame game like we were last week. And you know we got some NFL last night, but obviously we're here to talk about college football, and boy, are there some good games this week. Oh, yeah, best time of the year, college football, NFL. We had some great games last week. Um, really looking forward to the games this week. Finally, some rivalries. We already saw an upset. Uh, really excited for the season coming forward. Yeah, the last time we hopped on, it was you and me, Evan and Brett Tulip. Uh, Merrick, not Evan. <laughs> but um, I looked right at Merrick and called him Evan. That's great. Um, but, yeah, not a whole lot going on when we were on the show last week. We talked before all the action happened, and now we're here to unpack the biggest action. Let's get right into it. First game of week one, Colorado TCU. What a game that was. Buffalo, the Buffs, they win 45-42. Big time shootout in that one. They entered the game as 21-point underdogs and really took care of business. Uh, Shadur Sanders, Dion, one of Dion's sons in the program, great, great quarterback. He set a school record for passing yards with 510. He went 38 for 47, threw the ball a whole lot, and was pretty dang accurate. He threw four touchdowns, no picks. He had over a 200 QBR. Uh, Colorado, they had four receivers with over 100 yards. Dylan Edwards, he had 135. Xavier Weaver, he had 118. Jimmy Horn had 117. And the biggest name I want to talk about, Travis Hunter, 119 on the offensive side of the ball. He also had an interception on defense, kind of playing like his head coach did back in his day with the Dallas Cowboys more specifically. But Travis Hunter, guys, he played over 110 snaps on both sides of the ball, and he looked very good on both sides of the ball. So, Merrick, what what do you think of Travis Hunter and this just Colorado offense? Because the defense really wasn't there. Needless to say, they won, so it doesn't matter right now. Dion wasn't too happy about the defense, but a win's a win. Travis Hunter, though, 
first impressions? I mean, this summer there's been an insane amount of talk on the diamond about a guy named Shohei Otani who's who's kind of an alien who can kind of do it all. I think we're seeing someone like that right now in in uh in Travis Hunter because not only is is he like Dion where he could play both sides like Travis Hunter has excelled on both sides of the ball. In in high school, I remember there are countless clips of him just going up and catching balls over guys' heads on the opposite side of the ball and then just immediately on the next drive getting a pick six. So, I mean, when you could play 139 out of 160 offensive and defensive snaps and get three tackles, a red zone pick, 11 receptions at 119 yards, I mean, you're one of one guys that can do that. And, I mean, who's the, who is a better coach for Travis Hunter than Deion Sanders, oh, a guy who's done it. You, it, it ideal you scenario. You can't trade anything for that that expertise that Dion can impart on you, and I think Travis Hunter's going to be a problem. Will he play 139 out of 160 offensive and defensive snaps every single game? We might have to wait and see. They might kind of do it more matchup-based is what I've been kind of thinking about is if you got a good offense, maybe play him a little more on defense. If you got a good defense, maybe play him a little more on offense because he's a game-changer. Yeah, definitely. I know there's a lot of huge buzz around Travis Hunter, and rightfully so, because he's a great player, almost something we've never seen before. But, Will, I love how you like to give Shador Sanders some love. I feel like he's kind of being overshadowed a little bit by all this Travis Hunter talk. I mean, like you said, through for over 500 yards in his first ever FBS game. Uh, he could do it all. He can escape the pressure. He has the arm talent, was making great reads. And I feel like this game, he really solidified himself as an elite college quarterback already at this point. You know, having that great game against... A fairly good opponent in TCU. I don't think the national championship. Right, right. So right. Uh, More towards that. I don't think TCU was obviously nearly as good as they were last year at all. Uh, Returning almost no starters. Brand new quarterback. Uh, Quarterback last year was a Heisman candidate, and they they looked like the TCU of old instead of the recent TCU yesterday. But not to take not yesterday last week, but not to take anything away from Colorado. They looked great. Their two headed monster and Travis Hunter and Shador Sanders looked great. And I think they're going to continue the success throughout the season. Yes, yeah, Sanders. I want to talk about him for a second before we get into TCU and how they played. Sanders, um, I really like uh, what you're saying there, Evan. He's definitely solidified himself as a premier college football quarterback. Um, what I really like, obviously, his dad, head coach, Hall of Famer, one of, if not the best defensive player in the National Football League's history. Obviously very debatable, but still way up there. Shadur, though, he, I love his poise, uh, his post-game interview. He, he doesn't really have that, you know, that flair that his dad had. He's a lot more humble, I want to say. Not saying that Dion's not humble, but he's got, Dion has every reason to talk the way that he talks. <laughs> Shadur, though, uh, even though he played like the best player in college football for last week, I really loved what he said at the end. He was like, it's really just a name like you can't get hung up on names you got to go in there and do your job he said something along the lines of that and I I just really I like that I liked his poise I liked his composure he really just kind of goes in week by week and it's a good example of a leader you know you get the whole coach's son kind of thing that happens everywhere you could even see that in the pros sometimes Um, maybe not as much but I would say until college, in some cases in college, you could still get that high school for sure. And obviously, even before then, that's definitely a thing. But I loved how he answered certain questions and was really just ready to go for whatever the media had for him and ready to go to Nebraska. But before we get into the next matchups, let's talk about TCU for just a second. Big loss for them. First game since their loss in the national championship. Great season for them last year. They didn't, their defense was not great. 
but overall, I didn't think they looked too, too bad. Uh, Rushing-wise, Amani Bailey, 14 rushes, 164 yards on the ground. That's a great game there. Trey Sanders, not as many yards. One more rush at 15. He also had three touchdowns, though. So on the ground, TCU wasn't terrible. In the air, Chandler Morris threw a lot. 24 for 42, though. 279 yards, two touchdowns to two interceptions. So, Merrick, first game after that national championship loss to Georgia last year. How are you feeling about TCU going into week two? Not good. I mean, not good. I mean, TCU had the undefeated season last year, but at this point they've lost three out of their last four games, including the Big 12 championship last year and the national championship, which they lost by a score of 65-7. to mm-hmm. And now they lose in a game where they were 21-point favorites, I think it was, yep. against Dion, and he came in and... The quotes I've been seeing from TCU have been bad. I don't know if you saw. I think it was a linebacker. He was getting interviewed, and he said he thinks they're the most. Oh, they, he thinks they're the most overrated team, or like they they're the most embarrassing team, or something like that. And Coach Sonny Dyke said they showed up. They were they were more ready to play than we were. Think they were more excited. Think they played harder. How do you not get excited for the first game of your season? Like that's just. I feel like that's just a bad look when when you're coming out. Even even if you play. I mean, this was a great game. I mean, you lose by three points in a shootout. But to come out and be like, I think they were more excited to play this game, which sure they could have been. But why are you saying that? You can't. You can't be saying that this early on in the season because you you've lost one game. You can still turn it around. And it seems like TCU is really. I think that national championship might have might have messed with them a little bit because of how bad it was. And now you have these quotes coming out. It, it's interesting to see how the rest of the season is going to go for TCU. I think they're still obviously one of the bigger teams in the Big Twelve, but. This is tough, especially, too, with Colorado coming to the Big 12 next year and you get this devastating loss week one at home as a 17th-ranked team, as 21-point favorites. It's not a good look for TCU. No, definitely not a good look. And I think the the biggest thing you pointed out, Merrick, was the postgame, the the talking about how they weren't excited enough, how they'll be better for next game. But it was like, this is your first game at home against a team that's going to be in your conference next season. Like, <clears throat> you guys really got to figure it out at that point. But like I said, no no returning starters, uh, brand new quarterback. Their quarterback was a Heisman candidate. No Quentin Johnson, probably the best receiver in college football last year. Definitely one of them. So, I mean, you're losing a lot of guys, and you're not gaining that talent that uh, SEC school would get back. You know, you're not getting the four- and five-star recruits at TCU usually. So it's going to be hard to build those players back up. But I think eventually TCU will be okay this season. I think they'll obviously have a lot of wins, a lot of losses. But I don't think I don't think they'll be back in the playoffs again this season. Well, after this game, a lot of shakeups in the top 25 AP poll there. TCU, they fall out of the top 25 after being ranked 17th, completely out of the poll there as Colorado jumps to 22nd in the top 20 time for the first time since 2020. They were ranked for two weeks in 2018 and have only finished a season in the top 25 once back in 2016 in the last 20 seasons. Prime time, trying to turn it around, off to a great start. Next matchups for them, Colorado at home against Nebraska. That's a big game for Colorado. TCU will also be home once again against Nichols State. Colorado, this is a huge, I think this is a huge game for them. Nebraska, obviously not the great, the greatest of programs at the moment, but home opener for Colorado, that's big time. That is a big time game. Two and a half point favorites there. And TCU, they just need to win. They, they need to beat Nickel State. They need to beat up on Nickel State. That's what they need to get back on track. Maybe that'll start changing the uh, atmosphere in the, in the locker room, which seems to be uh, pretty down right now, as it should be. But from what you were saying, Merrick, those are just some... 
that those aren't what you want to hear. Those kind of comments, it's just not what you want to hear going into the first game of the season. Sets the tone for the rest of the season. So not great stuff for TCU. Colorado really looking to, you know, I guess just be that narrative for the season because that's what they are right now, and they will look to continue that at home against Nebraska 12 o'clock noon on Saturday. Let's go to another upset. This, to me, I think was a lot bigger than the TCU-Colorado game. That is Duke upsetting Clemson. The reason that's bigger is because the first time in almost 20 years that Duke has beat Clemson, their big in-conference rival. They win 28-7 over the Tigers. Clemson, they only scored one touchdown, came in the second quarter. That was Will Shipley. Shipley, he was probably their best player. There was really nobody else that kind of compared. Everyone was pretty middle of the pack in terms of a box score. 17 carries, 114 yards, 6 receptions for 29 yards, and a touchdown for Shipley. And that was really it for Clemson. I have nothing to say about them. Other, We can talk about how bad the loss was. But let's talk about some positives first. Let's go over to Duke here. First win over Clemson since 2004, like I've been saying. Riley Leonard, his first game since transferring from TCU. As you were saying, Evan, TCU don't have a lot of guys returning. He's one of them that didn't return. And he's part of one of the biggest upsets to start the season. He went 17 for 33, 175 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but adequate. He did have a great game on the ground, though. Eight rushes and 98 yards, leading rusher. And he had a rushing touchdown, a 44-yard foot race for him. It was a big score for Duke at the time, and it just continued to get better. Heavy rush game overall from Duke, though. Three of, of the Duke running backs, of the four Duke running backs, had touchdowns. Jordan Waters, he had 11 rushes for 63 yards. Jaquez Moore. Eight rushes for 43 yards, and of course, Riley Leonard. So guys, I'll start with you, Evan. What a win for Duke. Yeah, what a win for Duke. It was awesome to see. Um, yeah, I think Duke really showed in this game that what veteran presence can do in college football nowadays, just because so many players come and they either get injured for a couple, play a couple seasons and they leave, they go to the NFL. Duke actually had 17 returning starters in this game, which is a crazy number. Um, they had an elite quarterback in Riley Leonard who showed that he is. I know a lot of analysts were saying he's a top three college quarterback uh, this season. I didn't buy it at first. I definitely buy it now. He was an absolute dog the other night. Uh, Duke only has two players who are a four or five star, and Clemson has over 50, just to show how big of an upset this was. So really a game that we probably won't see a lot of upsets like this in the future. I really love what Riley Leonard did on the ground. I like you bringing that up, Will. Uh, rushing for about 100 yards, no turnovers, didn't throw a pick, didn't fumble. And he really seemed like the guy, the guy who you can put the cape on his back for Duke and say, go win us this game, which is something that a Duke quarterback has definitely not been able to do in the past, recently as of late. So uh, really, really reassuring from Riley Leonard and Duke, and I think they're going to be good this year. I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, not only is this not only is this their first win over Clemson since 04, it's their there it snaps a 28 game losing streak to top 10 opponents and their last win fittingly against number seven Clemson in 1989 but yeah like you were saying Riley Leonard man what a game he had I mean obviously you you ideally would want a little more in the air but the but he had a clean game so you can't really complain and you get the win he had the 44 yard rushing TD like you said and I mean that's that's all you really need I mean aside from a couple turnovers on did on the Duke side with like a muffed punt and a fumble near the red zone they were able to get by, and I mean, they jump into the top 25 this week. They're at 21. They were storming the field. It was, it was, it was pretty cool to see. I mean, especially from a school that, 
we prim- primarily think of as a basketball school to see them storm the field after a huge win against Clemson. It's it's it was really cool. And unfortunately for Riley Leonard, the one downside is he got no extension on his assignment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big time celebration for Duke for the Duke faithful. Really fun stuff to see, especially in Week One. But Riley Leonard, as you were saying, Evan, uh, consistency. And not turning the ball over, very important. And what you were saying, Merrick, didn't throw for a whole lot, right? But didn't really matter at the end of the day. He did what he had to do on the on the ground, and he did what he had to do in the air. And just keep it clean. Clean football, that's all you can really ask for, right? No turning the ball over, no fumbles, no interceptions, like you were saying, Evan. That's really, really key, no matter what your stat line is at the end of the day. But let's talk about Clemson for a brief minute here because, I, like I said, I really don't have a lot to say here other than, wow, that was just really, really disappointing. Came into the game. As the ninth-rated program in the AP poll, top 25 preseason preseason ACC favorites as well, and that just kind of like goes all down the tubes. Week one to start, they're probably still the favorites in the ACC, but that was just not the way that you want to start. Dabo Sweeney and his crew looking to get back on track really have not been that powerhouse program that we could remember from we from when us three were in middle school and definitely high school. So this Clemson program definitely has taken a hit since then and definitely has not started off on the right foot to start this season. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know there's someone smiling up in up in the state of Oregon, uh one DJ Uyungle who had yes, a great sir. game he threw for 239 yards, 3 TDs, no picks. You think Clemson might have might have could have used that in that game? I mean, he's he I mean, he's sitting in the pack too, but Cade Klubnik <laughs> Threw a, threw a ton, threw, threw a TD, threw a pick. He didn't really have a great game. I, like you said before, Will Shipley was kind of like their whole offense, which is kind of expected. But the biggest thing for me is Clemson was held scoreless three times inside the 10-yard line. They had two blocked field goals and a fumble. But when you can't score three times inside the 10-yard line, you're not going to win a football game. And, I mean, it clearly showed here. I mean, sloppy football loses games. We were talking about it last week with Nebraska and the turnover problems they had. Terrible. But I mean, But, I mean, it was nothing like this. You can't – inside your own inside the 10-yard line, that's where you got to get points. And and regardless of who you're playing, whether it's Duke and you think you can make it up or whatever, you can't be doing that. And drop 16 spots. They're no longer the number 9 team. They're the number 25 team. And that's that's what happens when you when you play sloppy football. Yeah, I think the number 25 spot is where they should be after that game. I mean, like you said, Merrick, played terrible situational football. I don't know the stats behind how many teams have won a game that have had two field goals blocked, but I'm sure they're really bad because that is a formula to lose a football game is to have two field goals blocked. Um, I think this brings a question about Dabo Sweeney a little bit. I feel like people have been saying that. I've heard murmurs about it, and I think it definitely should be brought up. Like you said, Will, when we were a little younger, it was like, is Clemson better than Alabama at this point? Yeah, and that was the talk. Yeah, it was like Clemson or Bama. Now it's obviously Georgia. But when we were younger, um, they had Trevor Lawrence. They always had really good quarterbacks. And Klubnik didn't play great. He didn't play bad. But I feel like there's too much pressure on Will Shipley in that offense to be great. And we see in college, a lot of the good teams have great quarterbacks. You can rely on your quarterback. It's not really a winning formula in today's game to rely so much on a running back like Will Shipley to carry you to victory all the time where teams can really hone in on one player and shut you down. And you pair that with terrible situational football, sloppy special teams, and that's that's definitely how you're going to lose a game and end up being ranked 25. Bad brand of football, and like you were saying, Evan, Raises a lot of questions about Dabo Sweeney and what they're going to do over there. Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, D-Hop, 
a lot of big names came out of this program, especially under Debo, uh, Dabo Sweeney. And um, right now, kind of bleak, trying to turn it around. As you said, Merrick, they dropped 16 spots. They go from 9 to the bottom of the pole at 25. And how about Duke? They jump to 21st in the top 20 time, 25, and they enter the list for the first time since 2018. Big things ahead for them. Let's look at their next week matchups. Clemson, they'll be at home. They'll play Charlton, uh, Charleston South. Big, big game. Got it. Got it. That that is what you would call a trap game. But at this this stage of the season, uh, you just got to win that game. You got to win that game. It's such a beatable opponent. Get right back on track, and not just win the game. You got to you got to blow them out if you're Clemson. You got to crush Charlton's uh, Charleston South. So Clemson looking to get back on track. Duke at home against one of the Patriot League's. Best here, Lafayette, not the best, but a little shout-out to the Patriot League. How about that? Another winnable game here for Duke. Could go 2-0 against Lafayette. So, big, big stuff for the ACC and already looking like a very exciting conference to keep an eye on out of after week one. Let's talk about a little news before we get back into some games and uh, games for this week. Caleb Williams, he said, actually, it wasn't him. It was his dad that said that he could go back to USC in 2024 if his NFL landing spot isn't a great fit for Caleb. I got a couple things on this. So let's just run through the notes real quick. His dad said that. Carl Williams said the funky thing about the NFL draft process is he's almost better off not being drafted than being drafted first. The system is completely backwards. The way the system is constructed, you go to the worst possible situation, the worst possible team, the worst organization in the league because of their desire for parity gets the first pick. He's got two shots at the apple, so there's not a good situation. The truth is he can come back to school. Then Caleb Williams said, I've always been able to choose the team that I've played on. I read a little more into this situation today. At first, it made sense, right? Because he's Caleb Williams. He's probably the best player in college football right now. But I I don't really know how I'm loving this. It's just like, dude. Let's, let's look at a little comparison, though. Lincoln Riley is head coach. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, two Heisman winners, got thrown into two bad situations. I would say Kyler probably got the best end of that stick there. Baker, obviously, he's just completely, you know, he, he's out of the picture, so to say, starting for the Bucks, but not that number one overall pick that many remember him to be back when he was with Oklahoma. But I don't, I'm not loving Caleb Williams saying, I've always been able to choose the team that I've played on. I get it, dude. Like I understand that you're great. You are you could probably win the Heisman again this year and you're going to be the number 1 overall pick and might might very likely be the Arizona Cardinals just take over for Kyler Murray, guy that was almost identical to you in the situation that you're in, but Merrick, I just don't I don't love the uh what Caleb is saying, like him saying he's always been able to choose this is his draft declaration is going to be an in the moment decision. I, I'm just not a big fan of it at really at all. 
Yeah, I mean, when you look at it from a broad sense, it's kind of this is what the NIL has kind of enabled. Is I mean, I saw last night watching the football game, I saw Caleb Williams' new Wendy's commercial that he's got going. So, I mean, this is kind of part of what the NIL is. And I don't necessarily hate the idea of being able to stay, but it's like you said, you can't you can't be having quotes come out as a as a college football player saying, I've always been able to choose the team that I'm playing. Right. Almost implying that you're expecting that to be the way in, in the NFL when like his dad was talking about, the worst situations get the top pick. Well, yeah, because the best situations all have their quarterback. Joe Burrow's locked up. He got a contract. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, just all the names, all the top teams that are picking late in the draft and have made the playoffs, made the Super Bowl, they all have quarterbacks. That's the that's the reason that the, the, the earliest picks are quarterbacks because they're the teams that need a quarterback. So, I mean, the whole saying, like, I can choose my team, this and that. It's like, where are you going to choose that isn't a bad team? Yeah. You know, like, like and you're not going to play. All those teams that you just listed, they were really bad yeah. before they got exactly. their generational quarterback. Exactly. So uh, even the Jaguars, look at Trevor Lawrence, yeah. too. That's another name you can throw out there. Um, there's just a lot of the good teams. You're not going to end up in a good situation <laughs> no. if you're this good. I'm sorry. They, whoever is going to pick number one, because he will go number one, whoever is picking number one is not going to be in a great situation. They're obviously using that pick on you to turn them around. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's uh, Caleb Caleb Williams' dad looking at it like such from a player father perspective instead of like the NFL and like how teams actually work. Like obviously the worst team should get the first pick to even out the playing field. And like you said, it's like the cycle of quarterbacks. You get a good quarterback, then you build around him, and now your team's good for a few years. So, I mean, this is what's been going on in the NFL for so long. I, I don't like the fact that he was saying that he should get to pick his team or whatever. I, I don't know about staying another year because you're just going to go number one the next season and you're going to go to a bad team. That's, or you get hurt and you or don't you go get hurt. number one anymore. Exactly. I heard it might it might even be the Cardinals two years in a row. They could, they could pick first two years in a row. So he might end up in the same situation. But if you look at the past, we, we do have some guys that have – they haven't stayed in college, but have worked their way out of being drafted by teams. You know, Eli Manning obviously worked out well for him. John Elway did something of the sort, worked out well for him. Both had great careers after that. But I don't think we've seen anyone stay extra years in college to avoid being drafted by a bad team just to be drafted by a bad team the next season. That See, that would be more, that would make so much more sense to me if he worked away right, right. to a different team where they can make a, a little swap for their first round pick, yeah. right? And obviously more picks attached to it. But I, you bring up a great point, Merrick. That is, I would say, a downside of the NIL like sweep through. I, I'm for NIL stuff for college players, but this kind of luxury I, I don't see as really fitting for college because at the end of the day, college athletes are not professionals yet. And that's the one negative side of NIL deals is that they these college athletes want to be pro athletes before they're actually pro athletes so that's just one thing like i said i'm for it but you bring up a great point merrick that definitely has a lot to do with what's going on caleb williams though i he's on track in his first two games to win his second consecutive heisman he has almost 600 yards in two games he's nine touchdowns and no interceptions and they will play a usc will play stanford we'll talk about the game in just a little bit this week in a pack 12 for right now, matchup later to be the pack two. But that's really it for the Caleb Williams situation. We'll see how that unfolds. That could very, very likely change drastically in three, four months. So we'll see with that. But let's talk about the top 
25 matchup of the week before we talk about our most intriguing games, maybe outside the top 25, inside the top 25, who knows? But let's stick with inside the top 25. These are two top 15 teams. Number three, Alabama versus number 11, Texas in Alabama. Last game out, Texas, they beat Rice 37-10. to Alabama, huge win as it should be, 56-7 to over Middle Tennessee. Last time they faced each other, very close game, 20-19, to pretty much about a year ago to the day. It was September 10th of 2022. That was a great game last year, Alabama winning by one. Players to watch, I got to go with Quinn, Quinn Ewers. 19 for 30, pretty solid there. 260 yards, three touchdowns versus Rice. Alabama, seven-point favorites. That's what's most intriguing to me here, guys, is that Alabama is a seven-point favorite over Texas. Personally, to me, I I don't really love Texas. I, I know they're 11 right now, but they always, every year, they always find a way to not be this perennial competing team in the top 25 and I think this year is nothing short of that the fact that Alabama is just seven point favorites is kind of mind-boggling to me I think they should be at least 14 I know Texas is ranked but I'll go to you Merrick how can Bama take this and if you're feeling this way how can Texas steal this game if that's really a possibility I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be really, really, really tough for Texas to win this game. Not only do you have to go into Tuscaloosa and play Bama at Bama, but you also look at Steve Sarkeesian. Under Steve Sarkeesian, Texas three and six in, in true road games and their last SEC road game, they lost to they were fifth they were ranked fifteen and they lost by almost twenty to Arkansas. So I'm not overly confident about Texas. I mean, we've been waiting for them to be back for about, like, what, 12 years now? I mean, there is a great matchup, Xavier Worthy versus Kool-Aid McKinstry lined up against each other. But for Texas, the key is definitely going to be Quinn Ewers. He's going to have to have an outstanding game, and he's going to have to really, really be the the leader of this offense, and he's going to have to lead the charge. But I think for Alabama, it's... It's just going to be play your own brand of football. You've been in this situation a million times. Big games in Tuscaloosa. I mean, they played LSU a million times there. They played Auburn a million times there. They they're they're ready for this. I'd say more so than Texas, and I think that's a big thing in this matchup. And obviously, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there's a lot of there's a lot of ulterior beef going on with the bands because last year Alabama didn't send their didn't send their band to Texas because they had sit in the upper deck. So now Texas is sending their band. And they're sitting up in the upper deck. So that might also play a role. No Texas band near the field. There you go. That is big. Uh, last year, Bama won by one in this matchup. It was a really good game. I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, Quinn Ayers actually left the game early with an injury. They knocked him uh, out of the game in the first quarter. But like you said, Merrick, he's he's definitely the, the it factor in this game is Quinn Ayers. He's the returning quarterback. Alabama has a brand-new quarterback and um, Milrow. But Milrow, Milrow did look pretty good last week. Obviously, it was against Middle Tennessee. Not a very valid opponent to um, rank your stats against, but played the way he should against that team. And he just has, he's just so, so much, so talented. He just checks all the boxes athletically, has a great arm. I feel like there's no way that he's bad. I feel like he's going to be another great Alabama quarterback. And I think Alabama will take this game. I think it'll be a high scoring game. I'm expecting a lot of, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of balls in the air. And I think the quarterbacks will get a lot done on the ground as well. I think it'll be a high-scoring game, and I think Bama will end up taking it in the end. Jalen Milrow, um, for Bama to win this game, he he didn't throw a whole lot, right? But he was very consistent. 13 for 18 is very good. Only 194 yards, but he had three touchdowns, so not 
this glamorous stat line, but something that you got to keep note of is that accuracy. That's that's one thing. If you're going to win ball games, you want to stay accurate and you want to stay as crisp as possible. Kind of what we were saying with Duke and Clemson. Mm-hmm. So. Jalen Milrow definitely very crisp in his first game despite not really throwing for a lot of yards that's how Bama will take this one in my opinion if Jalen Milrow can stay consistent in the air this is probably going to be a pretty breezy game for Alabama but that's the big top 25 game of the week now before we wrap up here we'll start with you Evan let's go with the most intriguing game of the week for you who do you have in that matchup I'm going with what I think is the biggest rivalry of the season so far, Iowa-Iowa State this weekend. Mm, I'm very excited for this uh, Iowa rivalry. It's a a big deal over there in Iowa. They take this game very seriously. As they should. Yeah, as they should. Last year, uh, Iowa State actually won for the first time in six seasons. They beat Iowa 10-7. They're always these kind of low-scoring, old-fashioned games, and that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I know we see these Caleb Williams, Riley Leonard, 300 passing yards, nine touchdowns, whatever games all the time, which is fun to watch. It's cool, a lot of offense. But uh, I'm excited to see more of an old-fashioned, run-the-ball, Iowa-style game that we'll get to see this weekend, hopefully. I think Iowa will end up taking it again. I know Iowa State got the best of them last year for the first time in a while, but they're just a more talented team, uh, have some better players, and I think they'll end up getting it done. But I think it'll be a very good game, and I think the crowd in the stadium will really be into it. Yeah, I mean, whenever you have an in-state matchup like that, it's always it's always a good rivalry, and I mean, like you like you were saying, I mean, when when you lose the game for the first time in a while, it always it always makes you get up a little bit more yeah. the next year when you when you got to go out there and 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 show it again. And for my pick, I'm actually I'm actually sticking with the theme of in state. I'm going with App State versus number seventeen ranked UNC. Obviously, big uphill battle for for App State. I think they're seventeen point underdogs in this one. But the reason I'm picking this is because last year, how about that game last year, 63-61 final, Drake made through five touchdowns, mm. and I mean, if you could have any glimmer of that again, I mean, App State has a has a new quarterback coming in for, for they had an injury last week, but their, their backup, he, he, he went 11 for 13 through 174 yards and four touchdowns in that game. But he's got to go up against this UNC D line that had nine sacks last week to start the season. I mean, I'm just, I'm just amped up for this matchup. I mean, App State, we all, everybody knows about their huge upset of of Michigan a while back. And hey, who knows? Do they have another one on, in their pocket? We'll, we'll see on we'll see on Saturday. But but if we can get anything like that 63-61 matchup, I, I would sign up immediately. I'm gonna go with another pretty big rivalry matchups. We got three big rivalry matchups here for this week's intriguing games. I'm going to go with Stanford USC. Obviously, this is USC heavy, right? They're 29 and a half point favorites as they should be. They're going to probably crush Stanford. But the reason that I'm intrigued, it's a little test. Another thing that I was mentioning before, trap games with Clemson uh this week. This could be a trap game for USC. Stanford is obviously not better than USC. Not a lot of teams are. Stanford is also not like as great as they you know used to be in in certain years, but I'm main, mainly intrigued to see how Caleb Williams plays against a big rival in Stanford, and see how he progresses. How many more yards is he going to add on? How is he going to add to his Heisman case? Because for him, I feel like it's a week by week case. He needs to dominate even more so than he did last year to get this award again. But one specific reason I'm really intrigued. Stanford allowed negative five rushing yards against Hawaii and USC has a very balanced backfield. Um, they're not at the top of the college football world for the uh, for the running game, but they're definitely pretty solid. And Stanford with the negative five rushing yards, I want to see what that D-line can do. 
against the rushing of USC and even Caleb Williams. See how they stop him on the ground because he can move as well. Uh, and this is also going to be the last time that they play each other as members of the Pac-12 before that becomes the Pac-2, as Merrick said earlier in the show. So I'm going to go Stanford-USC for my most intriguing matchup, but I'm really liking the two that you guys picked. And that's going to wrap it up for this edition of College Gridiron. Lots of fun stuff to unpack that we did. Colorado TCU, Duke, Clemson, two big upsets in week one. We'll see what week two has in store. Will Caleb Williams go to the NFL draft in 2024? I don't know. We'll probably have to check back on, on that in a few months. Alabama, Texas, the big top 25 matchup of the week. And then obviously USC and Stanford, App State and UNC, Iowa and Iowa State. Big news, notes, games, all college football here with WFUV Sports. So for Merrick Rhodes, Evan Harkin, I'm Will Talent, and this was College Gridiron, a production of WFUV Sports.